As I prayed about the message that God would like to deliver this morning, He brought to my mind the text that we just read. And the, the idea of this message today is to talk about Jesus Christ as the door through which we can do discipleship. Because Jesus Christ is the door through which we can experience God's love. You can sense that you're loved by God when you go through that door. If you read again the text in John 10, 9, you can't understand better the meaning of going through that door. Could we read again that text? Let's read together. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. We will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus Christ opens my mind and heart to listen and learn. He opens my mind to receive eternal, a full life that only exists in Him. Jesus Christ is the door. All else are walls. All the other options the society offers are not true doors to eternity. The Great Commission, as instructed by our Master, is a challenge to the disciples to teach them to obey everything. It's essential to develop a new mindset, a new worldview on those who accept Jesus in order for them to see life from a new perspective. I would like to ask you to talk to the person sitting by you. Ask them how a Christian worldview can be developed in somebody's mind. Ask the person sitting by you. How can I see life different? How can that happen? You accept Jesus as your Savior? And how can you change your perspective of life? Ask the person. How does it happen? How do you change your way of seeing life? Does it happen in a magic way? Or do you have to do something for this to happen? How that kind of change happens? Maybe we could ask in a different way. Have you been discipled by somebody? Did somebody invest in your life? Do you have a mentor, a discipler? Do you reflect what you hear and you compare with Scripture? Is your Christianity reflect upon, taught out? In his book, Your Mind Matters, John Stott evaluates the importance of the mind in the Christian life. And he explains the reason why it is so important uh, applied Scripture to develop a common understanding of Christian life. His book is a plea for Christians to have an inflammated devotion to the truth. Stott speaks of a modern world that is full of anti-intellectualism. He says that the modern world breeds pragmatism whose first question about anything is not, it is true, but the question we make today is, does it work? 
It doesn't matter if it is true. Does it work? Then it's fine. That makes us superficial Christians. This thought then presents the concept of a mindless Christianity that is a result of a church emphasizing its practices usually in three distinct areas. You'll find some churches that values the ritual in which religious ceremony is an end in itself, is the sacramental church. We just have to perform the acts. So I'll go to church and that's fine, I'm a Christian. Uh, I performed the act. I went through the offices. Then you have another kind of Christian nowadays that is a social activist in which the only concern that matters is to deal with hunger, violence, promote peace and justice. In reality, that church is basically a non-governmental agency. It's not really a church of Christ. And there's another kind of church nowadays that values only the experience in which the metaphysical experience tramples doctrine. Basically, the main goal is how much do I cry and how much do I feel? And that's what really counts. If I went to the service and I didn't feel, it was not a good service. Because being a Christian is to feel. Doesn't matter what was preached. Doesn't matter what kind of doctrine I found. This outlook is ideal for mindless Christianity to flourish. Because they cannot understand biblical truth and Christian thought. They lack the character and the mind of Christ. This church must be committed to listening and learning the Christian message. Do you believe that? You say amen. amen. The church must develop and enable members to multiply disciples, to become leaders with a biblical and mature Christian worldview. The only way to do it is through continuous discipleship process. To be able to have a continuous discipleship process is to understand that we deal with a human being that is a whole. You need to deal with his cognitive aspect, psychomotor aspect, and his emotional aspect. That happens by studying the scripture, putting the truth into action, and by experience, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within us and through us. When we talk about Jesus Christ being the door of formation, not just information, we're dealing with one of the major hindrances for growth, especially in churches like Baptist churches. And I can, t I can talk about it because I grew up in a Baptist church. We do value a lot information, and many times we forgot the importance and the need for formation. A brother came to me. He was one of those grandfathers who really took good care of his grandkid. He brought his grandson to church since he was a small baby because his son didn't bring his his kid to church. And that little boy grew up. He was growing up, coming to Sunday school. And finally he came to me and said, Pastor, 
my grandson is ready for, to be baptized. And I said, really? He said, yes, he knows all the answers. He came to Sunday school class. He knows everything about the Bible. He's ready for professional faith. And I look at that man and say, wow, that's fantastic. When did he accept Jesus as his Savior? He said, Pastor, I asked him all the questions that he will have to answer. And he gave me the right answers. And I said, wow, that's fantastic. When did he make a professional faith? He said, Pastor, he came every Sunday with me. And I finally said, when did he declare Jesus as Savior and Lord? That man, as sincere as he was, he thought it was enough for his grandson to know all the answers. As a Baptist pastor, one of the things that hurts more my heart is to stand in the pulpit and look at my congregation and know the many that sit on the pew Sunday after Sunday will go to hell knowing all the answers but not knowing the one who gives the answers personally because they're just religious religious people they have the information but they have never experienced the transformation that Jesus Christ gives. Historical churches as ours give a strong emphasis in discipleship as information. We must only, not only hear about Jesus, but be formed, transformed into his character. Our faith must be learned and grasped. Our faith must transform the way we live. What I believe about Jesus must transform the way I live at home. I live in my business. I live in my school. I live in society. If I am as corrupt as my business partner who doesn't know Jesus... I don't know what Jesus do I say I know. In order to form the Christian character into an individual, we must inform, teach the person of the kingdom, and walk side by side, sharing our life experience to form the character. Jesus is the door to inform the mind and form the character. Nigerian church is pretty much similar to the Brazilian church. It's a young church. A large majority of Brazilians are first-generation first Christians. And I think Nigerians are pretty much the same. That means that our worldview is pagan. The large majority of us did not grow up in a Christian home. Discipleship becomes the basic necessity of the Christian church. That's why the church in the first century struggles so much 
and got together so much in order to develop this change, this transformation. Could you open your Bible in Acts chapter 2, verse 42? Acts chapter 2, 42. You see the picture of what happened in the first century. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And they were together and God was doing their work and changing, transforming the way they behaved. They act, they lived. And that's the kind of experience that we need. We need to live a shared life with someone in order for us to encourage each other to experience what it is to live the new life. It is possible, it's necessary to disciple somebody and to be discipled by somebody. This is the relational strategy of multiplying discipleship. This is the principle that we find in Acts 9, 10, 19. If you go to Acts 9, 10, 19, you find in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas in straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And he was scared to death. This is a man who persecutes the church. And God wants him to have a discipleship, to do discipleship with this man. And because he invested in Paul's life, we have most of the letters in the New Testament. Because he invested in Paul's life, we have a tremendous missionary movement happening in the first century. Because you will invest in somebody's life. Nigeria will be blessed through that person's life. But you have to invest your life in somebody else's life. The formation, of course, with the spiritual paternity. When someone that is more experienced in the faith shows evidence of God's love, guides, cares for another disciple, this is just the beginning of a journey. It occurs when Christians become faith partners. Brothers and sisters that share the burden by exchanging sorrows, joys, expectations. This generates healing and restoration. And maybe, maybe, again, a biblical truth and principle will come back to life. A biblical truth and principle that we find in James 5.16. Can we read together? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Do we confess our sins to each other? Do we do that at church nowadays? You know why we don't do that anymore? Do you know why we don't experience this biblical principle? Because you don't have meaningful relationships within the church. Is it true? Our relationships, the majority of relationships that we have in the church are superficial. We do need to break the bondage that the devil has brought upon Jesus Christ's church. We need to develop meaningful relationships with brothers and sisters. I see that you have cell groups. The cell group ministry. It's a wonderful strategy to help us to develop meaningful relationships. Once you have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with somebody who you pray with, you walk side by side, you share victories and defeats, you pray to each other, for each other, with each other, it will be easier to confess your sins and experience the power of prayer to heal our souls. Then what John Burke says in his book, no perfect people allowed will become reality within the body of Christ. He says, when you create a culture to deal with these painful issues of trust openly, with sincerity and honesty, you begin to see two things. First, you hear more and more stories of wounds like this that once remained hidden and festering. But you will also hear increasing numbers of stories of God's healing work as people are brought into the light. A healthy church doesn't transform its disciples in people that are all alike, but helps them reach all of their unique potential that they have received from our Creator. Some people think that discipleship is this. This is not discipleship. Good discipleship is not to transform you all just like Reverend Lawa. No, no, you don't have to look like him. He looks nice. But he's unique. God created him. And there's just one. Just like you. God created you in a very unique way. There's nobody else like you in the whole world. Seven billion people. Never was, never will be somebody like you. Have you ever thought about it? God is amazing. Discipleship is this. You go through the discipleship process and God enhances all the potential that he has given you and makes you a better person, makes you bigger, stronger for his glory. Amen. 
That's what God wants to do with us as a church. A church that invests in the formation, believes in continuous discipleship. It's a process. And this process goes through a relationship with Jesus. He opens the door for us to be transformed. And you know what happened? Jesus is the door to learn and to be empowered. Jesus is the door to the to knowledge of the abundant life and empowerment for ministry. Yes, discipleship has a purpose. God transforms my life and he has a purpose. There is a reason. You see, Barnabas invests in Saul's life. And what happens? It's really interesting if you read the book of Acts and you're careful. You see that it starts, the book of Acts starts saying, Barnabas, Paul, Barnabas, Paul, Barnabas, Paul. All of a sudden, it changes. And it starts saying, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And all of a sudden, where's Barnabas? He disappears. That's discipleship. Life produces life. Leaders produce Leaders. God works in preparing leaders throughout their lives. God will use all the situations in your life to make you a better person, to transform you into a leader in the situations that you have to face. All you have to do is to say, God, I'm willing to have you invest in my life. And I'm willing to have you use my life to bless other lives. And God will prepare you. As you pour your life into somebody else's life, he'll make you grow. He'll make you a better leader. Jesus is the door for us to prepare the new generations to take over leadership. Jesus is the door to empowerment of new generation. As new leaders are multiplied, there's a leadership challenge that arise. In my church, about five years ago, we realized that our leadership was too old. I'm 60 years old. The hairs were too white in our leadership meeting. I don't know here, Pastor, how things go. We didn't have many young people there. And we sat down and started talking about it. And we set a goal. We're doing okay. We, we, we brought it down seven years already. We have a plan to bring young people into the church leadership. They are something. They think different. They have different ideas. They challenge us. But it's a blessing. The church must invest in empowerment through faith of the new generation. Because there are risks in allowing new leaders. Younger generations, when they take strategic positions, yes, they can make mistakes, just like we did when we were younger. Mm-hmm. That's part of the training. That's why they need the older generation. Not to criticize them, just to be along. And help them out. 
Because if we don't do that, the church will die. Discipleship is preparing the new generation to take over. Empowerment, delegation of authority, sharing responsibilities is a recurring topic in the Bible. You know what I think is the best example of a leader that delegates Jesus Christ? Shortly before ascending to heaven, you remember what he said? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and then what he said? Go and make disciples. He delegated. He believed that you could do it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus is the door to raise new generations of leaders for the kingdom. Do you believe that? Say amen. That's what Second Timothy 2, 2, a well-known verse tells us. Let's read together. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Are you ready to trust God to help you empower new generations in strategic positions? It's not just in the main church leadership. That ministry that you teach, that situation that you coordinate in the church, are you preparing new leaders to come over? Are you preparing people to be with you? Are you sharing your leadership? Oh, how important it is to bring people alongside. The result... Is a church that multiplies. A church that sees the kingdom being blessed. A church that is ready to grow. When you spend your leadership base, you're ready to expand the kingdom. 